when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Now, this is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. And a very good morning to you on this Wednesday, halfway through the week, hoping we're finding you all in good uh, form. And as always, if you would like to contact us throughout the morning on any topic we're discussing or any topic you would like us to see raised, 1850-333-103. John Paul takes the calls. You can text your WhatsApp at 0862103103. Already some texts coming in, including one from the Castle Magna Senior Citizens who've asked me to mention that tomorrow at one o'clock they are going to be hosting the presidential candidate, Sean Gallagher, and his wife, Trish, at one o'clock in the community centre in Castle Magna. And everybody is very welcome uh, to go along but that's been organised by the Castle Magner uh, Senior Citizens and just to let you know we are reaching out to all of the six presidential candidates what we are hoping would be that when the presidential candidates are in our area that they might take time out to join us and come into studio and have a little bit of a chat with us that would be the absolute ideal but we're reaching out to all six of them and if that isn't possible then we will uh, do our level best to slot in with their very busy schedules between now and the day when we go to the polls at the end of the month and if not we'll get them over the phone and have a chat with each of them but the plan is is to talk to each of the six candidates as I say ideally if they're visiting our area they normally try and take time out to come in and uh, chat at the local radio station so we're hoping that that will happen. Now we've got this super competition running uh, every day this week where we are Uh, inviting listeners to enjoy a spectacular night of operatic enchantment at the Everyman. We are offering pairs of tickets to the Nightingale and the Rose and that's not all. On the night that you go along to the show, you'll also get complimentary dinner for two at Green's Restaurant. Today's tickets are for Tuesday the 16th of October because the, the show opens on Saturday the 13th and runs through until and including the following Saturday the 20th of October. So it's a one week run and we're playing with the title The Nightingale and the Rose and we're playing audio clips each day from a famous rose be that rose fictional or not and the callers have to work out who is the rose that we are talking about now the rose can be included in the person's first name or it could be included in their surname here is today's rose not a chance in hell are you getting that tattooed across your back I'll give you that one again not a chance in hell are you getting that tattooed across your back makes me smile actually when I even uh, hear that lady's voice Uh, that's the famous Rose 
ponder on that please it'll be the final hour we'll give you the opportunity uh, to win today and of course you can get ticket information at everymancork.com now lots coming up on the programme today we're going to kick off in a couple of minutes when I'm going to be speaking with a member of the travelling community part of the family that are living in the picnic area in Formoy from what I can gather, they've been there for about a year. They certainly, this family came to our attention when Emma Driscoll and her family had moved into a mobile home in Beachfield Estate in Formoy and local people there weren't happy. There was a standoff with the council. It eventually had to go to court and Emma and her family then moved and they're currently still outside Kilcrumper New Cemetery, which isn't ideal for that young family and certainly isn't ideal for people who visit their loved ones at the graveyard there but you know Emma Driscoll and her family will say we've nowhere else to go and the family that we're speaking to this morning are saying the same thing but they've now been issued with some kind of a diktat from I think it was in Garda Corner arrived to tell them they have to move from the picnic area in Formoy and they have to move by tomorrow and I know when we were highlighting the issue at Beachfield Estate we had a number of people contact us from Formoy saying well while the council are working um moving that particular mobile home or what about the mobile home that's in the picnic area in Formoy so certainly a lot of attention came on the family following what happened in Beachfield Estate so the family now under threat that they have to move but where do they go to and I suppose trying to tease out the wider problem we have a housing shortage God knows we know we have a housing crisis uh, but is it particularly worse for members of the travelling community because there is no halting site in the Formoy area because when Emma O'Driscoll was trying to get uh, rehoused she was even saying you know give us a give us a bay in a uh, halting site but there isn't a halting site in Formoy so obviously this family that we'll be talking about as far as I know they're indigenous to the Formoy area they have been living in the Formoy area before they moved into the caravan and their problem is you know there's, an, there's no room at the inn there's nowhere for, for them to go are we just moving the problem on I mean if they get forced to move tomorrow where do they move to will it all start again because that's certainly what's happened with Emma O'Driscoll she's moved from Beachfield Estate she's now outside Kilcrumper New Cemetery she's going to eventually get moved on again where does she get moved on to and we're just you know it's like kicking the can down the street do we need to do the council need to take the bull by the horns and do something and arrange some kind of more permanent accommodation for members of the travelling community we welcome your thoughts on it and as I say we all know that there is a housing crisis even though I had an email in from Cork County Council to say that they're actually running a week long information campaign trying to highlight the ongoing work that the council is doing in providing social housing solutions and trying to facilitate increased building in the public and uh, private sector. And for example, they give us some statistics, something people would be interested to hear. In the past three years, Cork County Council and their assisted housing body sector have provided 1,000 293 homes for use as public housing. So at the moment, Cork County Council, if you look at their total number of housing units, it's just under 10,000 people are now living in council properties. So they say, look, we're trying to do the best that we can. They have, um, they have, at the moment then, what are they currently working on? 
They have 65 units under construction uh, with a further 450 in the process of going to build stage. Developments are underway. There's 49 units in Carrigaline. There's seven at Massey Town in McCroom and there's nine in uh, Cloyne. And while, you know, all of those figures are very welcomed for the people that are on the housing list and many on the housing list for many, many years, they're kind of saying, would you ever hurry up? But the council are, you know, saying, look, we're trying to do our best. We're trying to do our best and they are the figures. So we'll find, we'll speak with and find out more from this Traveller family on the programme today. And we're also then going to hear about a group of residents who have been living in an unfinished housing estate who have been paying local property tax. And I remember at the time of local property tax, there was very few exemptions when it came to property tax. But one of the exemptions that did come out for local property tax was the people who lived in the so-called ghost housing estates or unfinished housing estates. It would just be very unfair to charge them local property tax, bearing in mind we were told all the money from local property tax is going to go to services in the area. And how would you justify somebody living in an estate that maybe doesn't have footpaths, has huge potholes for roads outside their door? They mightn't have street lighting. You know, the green area hasn't been developed Certainly, they're not getting the services that people in more traditional estates were getting. So, the, you know, the theory behind it was it would be very unfair to charge these people. They're already paying high mortgages and they're in these unfinished estates. It seems there are residents of one unfinished housing estate in the North Cork area that have been paying local property tax for the last five years. That's only come to the attention of one councillor. So we're going to talk about that. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that they're going to get some kind of a rebate on it. We, we'll find out more. We also have been contacted by one of our listeners who's having difficulty getting bins collected in a rural area. It's a house that's off the beaten track. It's not on a main road. And there are two bin companies, as far as I know, we'll find out more later on, two bin companies servicing the area. But both have refused to go down the road where this family live. And they've been told instead, you need to drag the wheelie bins up and and leave them there. And uh, this particular family feel it's a little bit unfair and that, you know, the bin companies, I don't know know whether they're going to claim that they should be forced uh, to collect from people who need to have their bins collected. But uh, we're going to hear what's going on with this family. But I want to throw it out there to see because this family can't be on their own. There has to be other people who are living in remote areas where the bin truck doesn't drive right past your front door. It might pass the road at the, you know, the main road at the end of the road where your house lives. I'm just wondering, are are many families forced to do that? Actually, the night before it's bin collection day, do you have to go down the boring, go down the road to the end, go down to the main road and leave your wheelie bins there? And what kind of problems does that cause for people? Or do people not see it as an inconvenience at all? Do people kind of see it? Well, well, I live in a very remote area. This is one of the things that I just have to do. If I want to live in a remote area, I'm not going to have services on my doorstep. So it is an inconvenience having to bring the bins. And then obviously they're left out all day. And if you're at work, that I've probably brought in until later on in the evening. But I would be interested to hear uh, from people of how they get around that and is it a major problem for a lot of uh, people. Uh, We've invited Eddie Mannix to come back on the programme. I spoke with Eddie Mannix 
Was it last week or the week before? He was last weekend hoping to embark on this um, major, well, he was hoping to set a world record of reversing a tractor and trailer around Mallow. Now, he was doing it as a fundraiser, but he was hoping at the same time as well to get into the Guinness Book of Records and set a world record for the longest reversing of a tractor and a trailer. He put a lot of work into prepping and getting it organised and it was all by way of a thank you to Temple Street Children's Hospital. His little girl, Aoife, when she was just six weeks old, became very, very unwell. Uh, she picked up whooping cough. I mean, every parent with a newborn baby lives in dread of any of those childhood diseases before you can get the inoculations done. And it was just very unfortunate that little baby Aoife, on the day she was actually due to get her first shot, she ended up being diagnosed with whooping cough and she ended up spending quite a lengthy period of time in Temple Street Children's Hospital. Now she's a, a lovely young little girl and she started school and picture of health at the moment but the family wanted to get something back so this tractor and trailer uh, reverse um, fundraiser was decided upon. Well it seems Eddie hit a bit of a problem and he's going to join us to tell us more on the programme today and maybe, who knows, with listeners' help, we might be able to get this sorted and get this fundraiser, pardon the pun, back on the road. We'll hear about a mental health wellbeing initiative for West Cork. Now, this, I've been, I was reading up about this last night. This is, this is particularly aimed at people who live in remote areas and in rural areas. And we all know how important our mental health is. If we don't have good mental health, then we don't have good health at all. You can forget about everything else. You need to have the mental health uh, right. So we'll find out about this initiative. It gets officially launched in Drimmer League later today. But we will ask people to keep a lookout for it around the West Cork area. It is Wednesday. So that means that uh, Peter Dowdrell joins us uh, and the Irish Gardener answering all of your gardening questions. And as soon as we come on air on a Wednesday, questions start to come in for Peter. So please keep them coming. 1850 at 3331033. Yesterday, I mentioned and we were congratulating the three Cork restaurants who picked up the Michelin stars and particularly proud of the two in West Cork. Uh, it was terrific and um, long, long may they uh, continue with their Michelin stars. Well, I got an email and my apologies to Richard who sent this in to me yesterday. The show was just so busy yesterday. I didn't get around uh, to it, but it was Richard Milnes of the Dillon's restaurant in Timaleague that he runs along with his partner Valerie and they, along with the three new one-star restaurants that we mentioned yesterday in Cork, have also been included in the Michelin Guide list and they have been awarded a Bib Gourmand, I'm sure that's how you pronounce it, in this year's Michelin uh, uh, star in mid this year's Michelin uh, Guide. Richard is originally from the area and uh, has just asked me to share the good news. People will know him from around West Cork. He actually attended uh, secondary school in Bandon, so he feels like he's bringing the accolade home. So well done to Dylan's in Timaleague for picking up that uh, bib gourmand, which. I'm open to correction, but to me, it's just one step behind a Michelin star. But fantastic to get included in the Michelin Guide. So, congratulations there. We are spoiled for choice right across the whole area of Cork City and County when it comes to dining out. Long may that continue. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Just on the bin collections that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on, Eileen in Clonakilty says, uh, because we're, we're, I'm trying to find out from people who live in rural and remote areas, do you have difficulty with bin companies collecting your bins? How do you get around it? Do you have to go out of your way to bring the bins t- to get a curbside collection? Uh, and do you, do you very much see it as if you live in a remote area, it's one of those things you just have to uh, put up with? Or how do you get around getting your bin collected if you're living in a very remote area? Eileen in Clonakilty Kilty says, Patricia, the best of my knowledge, the company needs to be able to turn the refuge lorry at the end of your road. They also need to have at least three collections down that road. I suppose to make it financially viable for them to go off the main road, off the beaten track and down into a more rural area. We are collected by a company called KWD, uh, says Eileen. There are two other collections on our road, so that made up the three, so they are willing to come down that road. Uh, We do have to take the bins maybe a quarter of a mile out of our driveway to meet the road for the collection, says Eileen and Clonic Hilty, who I take it from your text, Eileen, you're quite satisfied with the collection service you're getting. And uh, Frank says, Patricia Maguire and Patterson, t- take care of my waste collection. Oh, Frank, you bold, bold boy. That is absolutely illegal and it isn't good for the environment either, dare I say. Uh, but uh, dare I also say, Frank, you're probably not the only one actually doing that with your rubbish as well. And some will say, well, what's the lesser of two evils? Frank taking his rubbish and fly tipping it or Frank taking his rubbish out the back with his Maguire and Patterson matches and deciding to uh, set it on fire. 1853 Huge reaction, can I say, to Una O'Hagan and Colm Keane's book um, St. Therese of Lisieux R. How I, I was chatting with a friend of mine yesterday and we were talking about the book and I was saying, I, I kept calling it St. Therese of Lisieux because that's what Una and uh, Cullum refer to her as. But when I was growing up, she was always St. Teresa. That's what we do her as. And the picture that was in my bedroom was of St. Teresa and, and Therese, Teresa. I, I don't know whether it meant the part of the country that she came from and whether it was more the Irish thing. We called her Teresa rather than because Therese obviously being the French for uh, Teresa. But anyway, massive, massive reaction to uh, people really enjoying the interview with Unan Colum. Huge reaction when we were giving the book away. And we also spoke about religious artefacts when I was speaking with John Hooten and his book about the way we were. And uh, somebody yesterday was is clearing out an old house. It's the old homestead and she, she can't get over the number of religious pictures. Every single room has a religious picture in it. And she just, she's not willing to take these pictures and hang them up in her own house because, you know, just doesn't want to do that. Different era and all of that. But she also doesn't want to just dump them. There's something very sentimental about it. She also feels, you know, there's got to be somebody somewhere that would like these religious uh, pictures. I was making the point that because I don't know where the call or the text came in from, so I don't know what part of Cork City and County the person was from. I was saying to try a charity shop you know, there's lots of the Vincent shops in the St. Vincent de Paul. Irish Cancer Society has a lot of shops. National Council of the Blind. There's many, many great charity shops. And Tara's Jock, which is a fantastic charity shop in Dunmanway, 
they heard me mention it yesterday and they were on uh, to say they would willingly take donations of uh, statues and holy pictures and they're open from or any kind of pictures they're open from 9.30 to 6.30 daily so if the listener who contacted us yesterday is anywhere near Dunmanway Tyrus Jock the charity shop there certainly would love to hear from you and talking of religious artefacts Alistair says, hi Patricia, on the religious theme, I heard you mention statues, etc. And I heard you mention St. Martin because we had a statue. I remember um, my mother had great devotion to St. Martin and there was a picture of St. Martin in the back bedroom. And there was also a little statue of St. Martin in one of the bedrooms. Um, Anyway, the listener said, I looked up St. Martin and he is the patron saint of mixed race families. I did not know that. What a lovely statue to have. Plus, he has other powers as well. But with modern Ireland, I wonder, do people today realise that those old statues and those old saints still have as much relevance today as they did back in former times? Yeah, indeed. Thank you for that. And thank you for going to the bother. When I was talking about St. Martin, looking it up for us, 1850 333103. And Cat and Ballyclaw contacted us yesterday to say, Patricia, could you put an appeal out to your listeners, please? Does anybody have an orthopaedic chair that they could lend me for six weeks or that I could buy from somebody? The HSE are not doing them anymore. Very much appreciated. Kath is in Ballyclaw. We have Kath's mobile number. If anybody can help us out with that. An orthopaedic chair that you're not using anymore, that you would either be willing to sell on to Kath or maybe it's a chair you're not using at the moment, but you're kind of thinking I'll hang on to it because I may need it sometime. And if that be the case, would you be willing to just give it out on lend to Catherine for the six weeks? And she promises that she will look after it for you. If anybody can help us with that, give John Paul a buzz. 1850 Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. Now, we've been contacted by some listeners asking us to highlight the plight of a family from the travelling community who have been living in a mobile home in the picnic area of Fomoy Town. This week, the couple with their four children, who, by the way, are all under the age of six, have been told to move. They say they've nowhere to go. John McDonough joins me uh, with his story. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Dr. Um, You're welcome to the programme. Okay, how long have you and Natasha and your four little children, how long have you been living in that mobile home in the Fomoy area? We're living in the the caravan there for about... um, about We're living in that spot there for the last um, 12 months, over 12 months. Where were you before that? Before that, we were in um, in my father's yard there, in the caravan there, because we had a house before that there. About three years ago, we had a house. We were in it for about two and a half years, only three years, and the landlord's daughter moved back from uh, Australia, so she wanted to move back into the house, so we had to move out, isn't it? And did you try looking for another rented house in the area? Yeah, we tried, we tried looking for a rented house all over the whole place there, but there was no one really getting back to us when, when they heard we had four kids. They didn't want to hear about it. You're not the first person that we've heard that from. For some reason, landlords don't want families with young children. It's 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 crazy. Now you've are you on the council housing list? Yeah, I'm on the council housing list there for the last six years. Have they offered you any housing? No, they offer us nothing there. They don't even want to help us. They don't even want to hear about us. Eh? It just comes on here with eviction here. Told me there Monday evening the guards came along with a 
with a form, told me I'd be out here for a Thursday, but not I'm going to be arrested to counsel medical complaint. And have they suggested where you should go with your no, with they, your caravan? Nowhere, like you said, they've nowhere they says nowhere for me to go, just to get out of there they told me that's it. Like you said, like I'm not gonna move in I'm not gonna move in a caravan out of here for nowhere unless they have a suitable a suitable combination for me and my family to put it under under the heads then. What You've been there for the last year, so you've been there. I mean, last October we had the storm Ophelia. Then we went into a couple of big freezes. The storm Brian with the storm Brian with all. Yeah. No, there's trees. There's trees. There's one tree that fell right in front of my caravan, and there's one fell right in the back of it. Now, when the storm comes, the trees are hitting the roofs, but nobody even came out to see what we did or we live out there. How do we get on? They just didn't care. Like I said, we were there through the bad snow as well. There, we were there. Like I said. We had a small caravan. The caravan we had there was too small. Uh, too small. The youngest little baby I had, she was too... Uh, she pulled the kettle of hot water down top of her hand. Oh, dear God. So we got... And they got all mildew through the bad weather. The caravan got all mildew, so I had to get a bigger caravan for the family. Is it hard to heat? It's hard to heat. Look, we're running off a generator and running gas. Like I said, we're running uh, off a gas and we're running off a generator, like for our assisting. Like, people think that we want to be there. Like, we don't want to be there. Like, we want the house or home over our kids, isn't it? Like you said, we have no electricity there. We have no water there. And we have no toilets there, isn't it? Would you move to a halting site, John? We'll move anywhere. If you give us anywhere, if you give us a halting site or a camp, any place at all, we can put the car in once the electricity there and water and... Uh, just the water there and toilets there for the kids and you know, of course will, isn't There's no halting site in Fromoy though, sure there isn't? No, I don't think so. I no. don't think there's anyone, no. But there's loads of, there's loads of places around Fromoy around the council there, but when it comes to the council, they don't care about anybody only those houses, isn't Stay there because Fiona Kylie, uh, a local woman, was one of um, the listeners who contacted us yesterday about uh, John and Natasha and the children. Good morning, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. Um, you've gotten to know the family. Yes, I've got to know John and Natasha and their kids over the last year, and they're a lovely, decent couple. You know, they're they're just they're they keep that area beautifully clean. Um, you know, their their houses. You know, their their mobile home is spotless. It's nearly cleaner than my own. It's I mean, it's it's fabulous. They're really not doing anybody any harm there. And I suppose what I'm asking is just that they be left there until a house becomes available. Um. It seems to me that the council and the housing corporation and everything, they just want to move them on because and then they're out of sight. And it seems to me their attitude and the government's attitude indeed, indeed is out of sight, out of mind. You know, if they're moved on Friday, they'll still be homeless, you know. Um, so but all, but all the council are doing, uh, Fiona, is... <laughs> It's, it's kicking the can down the street. If if they yeah. force John and Natasha to move, they'll move somewhere, like what they did with Emma O'Driscoll from Beachfield Estates. Emma had to get out and she ended up uh, outside Old Kilcrumper or New Kilcrumper Cemetery. Uh, they're going to move her again, let's be honest. So yeah. see, it, 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 you're just moving them down the road somewhere else. That's not it's, a solution. It's appalling. I think it's absolutely appalling what we do to people like John and Natasha. I don't know Emma O'Driscoll, so I suppose I'm just here to support I know, John and I know. Natasha. And, and John, it's I mean, important to point out, you are a native of Formoy. Yeah, I'm, um, like I said, I'm in Formoy since nine years of age, like I said. I'm a local lad there in Formoy, like I said. I'm here, we're here over 20-something years. So, like I said, I went to school here, like I said. I boxed for Formoy, like I said. I paid GA hurling football from Formoy. Like I still play soccer there, remember... 
member of the guards there, member of teachers, good friends of mine down in school. I used to play there two or three days a week there, every week, isn't Like, I'm well known in this town, like I said. There's, there's no complaints given about me. There's nobody can say nothing bad about us because we don't do nothing to nobody. We just mind our own business and just get on with our life, isn't And as Fiona has said, uh, you, you you go to great lengths to try to keep the area as clean as you can because it's very difficult to live in somewhere no, where you don't it, have it, services. It is, very, it is very difficult to live now. And I tell you, too, fair play to Fiona there, like I said. Uh, we appreciate everything that what she did for us. And she's a great woman there, I tell you, too. And God bless the woman. She comes in there and she helps us out there at times, a bit of, a bit of washing and uh, drying the clothes. And I tell you, too, we'd be last without her, isn't well done, well done, Fiona. OK, let's let's get the council's um, view on this. Councillor Noel McCarthy uh, is on the other line. Uh, good morning to you, Noel. Good morning, Patricia. No, morning, I hate sir. to say, here we go again. Yes, Patricia, but there's, there's, there's a bigger picture here. And I, can I just first of all start off by saying, I know John, I know the family, I've good time for John and all his family, he's said the family, very nice people. And I've spoken to John about this case, where he is at the moment. But I said to John, and I say it again today, this is the wrong thing to do. This is an amazing area, a picnic area that hasn't been used now for 12 months since John has been there. Just Can I just about actually pe- say, uh, Patricia? Uh, yeah, I, le- I-, I let you in. Yeah. Just, just, let, okay. just, just let Noel finish the point. I'll come straight okay. back to Fiona. You yeah. finish your point, Noel? Yes, thanks, Patricia. No, and I understand where Fiona's coming from, and I, and I, I know she's, she's doing good work with them, but the council must take a stand here. It was like speechy. We, if everyone did what John and Natasha were doing, well, then we have no control with our housing list. And if the bottom line here, Patricia, is to go into an amenity area like this to get a house off the council, well, it's totally unfair to the other 400 people plus on our housing list. This is not the way it works. You must work with the council executive and housing to get a house. Now, John was out with his parents for a, a good length of time. He did make representations to the council. They didn't look after him, but we have a housing crisis and we have people like John looking for houses as well. So, But doing it in this thing, like the one in Beachville, is wrong in my opinion. OK, if you and can't I, give him a house, can you give him an alternative location for him to put his mobile home? Well, my advice to John, which I said to him again, would present himself to the council, say he'll move out without having to get a court order from the amenity area and let the council take it from there. But the council executive won't work with not just John or with anyone that's doing the wrong thing. And in this case, like the one in Beachfield, like the one in the amenity area here, it's the wrong way of going about it. Okay, so Fiona, right, okay, can, I, just, can I talk, please? Okay, you can, John. I just want to bring Fiona in and then I'll bring John in. Fiona first, you wanted to pick up on those points. Fiona? I, I suppose, Patricia, there's just a few points I wanted to make. John and Natasha wouldn't be there unless they were absolutely desperate. They are desperate to get a house. They have been on the housing list for years. That's why they're there. The second thing is I have been passing in and out that amenity area for 17 years, and I have never once seen anyone have a cup of tea in that picnic area. And now there's a new petrol station less than 10 seconds drive inside and from I, where there's a whole choice of places to go and eat inside there. So no one is ever going to stop inside there for a cup of tea again. And the thing, you know, Noel is saying he needs to go back to his parents, they need to go back. But of course, if they go back to the parents, they're probably going to be told, well, you're, you have a place now, you're, you're no, we're going to put you down the, you know, on the list of priorities. So it's not, it's just not good enough, people. You know, they're just trying to move them on and take them out of the sight of people 
and you know and that's just not good enough this this day and age they're desperate they need a house and they need it in, within the next few months i mean they're facing a winter out again in the cold you know and and if it's I, anything I like last winter enough. let me bring john john wants to pick up on some points from noel john i'll bring you back in yeah now listen now nobody said he came to me nobody never come out to me one day and never chat to me nothing like you said no nobody never come out to me once for a chat here and there like i had to go to the office and they're looking for nobody i had to get his number and i had to ring him on the phone to talk to nobody there a couple about a month ago that's the last time i was talking to him but the way he's putting it in, like i'm going the wrong way about it like you said so is it okay if i get a big mobile and put it outside my father's call it big Alabu again, like above in Beachfield, have uh, protested neighbours out again and all the this and that, and what in again, like move again, then and move where. Like I said, if it comes to me and if I have no place to go, I'm going to get that mobile and I'm going to pull the mobile somewhere else. It's only as simple as that. And if I have to go down to the back of the council, down by the back of the courthouse with that mobile home, well, I'll do that. If I have to do that, I don't want to do that. So, uh, like I said, I'm quite aware I am. I look as want to be left alone. Leave me there till you have a house for me. Otherwise, have suitable. A combination for me before that, before they have a house for me, one another, like I said, because I genuinely have nowhere to go. My missus don't get on my mother. So, like I said, I'm not coming back up around the house. And we went through torture up there. Nobody knows my mother, father, there's quite people. My kids, there are two kids there, like they're HD. They break down the whole place. That's why, uh, that's why, like, I need room for my kids. They're mostly playing around. All right. Uh, and, uh, and uh, John, uh, listen to you say that your, your wife doesn't get on with your mother. She won't be the first daughter-in-law not to get on with no, the mother-in-law. So, I, so I, I wouldn't worry about that. Fiona, yeah, can you I want... Just, yes, Fiona. Yeah, can I just say as well, Patricia, you know, the, what the housing department offers sometimes is what's called emergency accommodation, where you sleep in B&Bs, you've heard mm. them, or mm. hotel rooms. Mm. We have, my husband and myself, we have three children there's five of us. When we go, if we're trying to go away for a night for a weekend or whatever, we can't get a comment. We can't get a hotel room or a B and B that takes five. No, they have six. So what you're doing is you're taking two rooms, you're paying twice the price, and you're splitting up the family. And that's not good enough, you know. This day and age, they're just a lovely young couple that are trying to raise their kids the best way they can. You know, giving them or even suggesting emergency accommodation or anything like that is just not good enough to be breaking up families. Okay, and okay. And no, no, your simple solution is they have to get out and that's it. Well, no, Patricia, can I start again? John is right. I didn't call to the picnic area traveling because I felt that was the wrong thing for me to do. John did ring me and I spoke to him on, on a good few occasions. Again, I want to say again, John is a very nice f- person and his family are, and I'd help them in any way and I'd help them 100% but I won't help in the, in the situation they're in. They must come out, they must do what everyone else does and do the right thing. I'll be the first person to help them then in any way I can, be it for to get a house, be it to try to rent one through a hat or so on. But I won't support someone that's doing the, right, the wrong but thing. But John, John raised an issue that we've heard about from other listeners as well, uh, Noel, and I don't know what the solution to it is, that people on the HAP scheme and families with young children, I mean, John's got four under six there, there are landlords who just do not want, for whatever reason, to rent to families with children. And you're right, and John is right. It will be very difficult to get a house, but we must try, and we must, and, and John must make the effort. And I'll be the first one to support him in that effort. But there's a landlord's market now at the moment, as you know, Patricia. They can pick and choose their clients now, which didn't happen a number of years ago. We have a difficult problem, but I'm pleading to John to present himself to the council in Mallow, tell him his situation, how bad it is, and leave them work with him from there. Noli, uh, Noli McCarthy, I'm over here on the council right now trying, trying, trying to get well, a meeting 
I'm well trying done, to get John. a meeting well off. I'm trying to get a meeting yeah. off the council. So, Loney, you know your hands out. Like, why are you worried now about me all of a sudden? Like, when you weren't worried about me for the last six years. When I went to when we went to you with situations there last year and two years ago, we told you we were sleeping in the back of a van. Like you said, you didn't care about that either. He wouldn't give his confrontation. We came over here looking for Muriel. Muriel told us f off, and she told us that you don't do that no more. So what Patricia, happened? Okay, let Noel respond, Noel. Again, and I, I can understand John's frustration, I understand how much under pressure he is, but John must understand, I am only a counsellor, like my colleagues, we can only make representations to the executive, we don't give out the houses, but I certainly did it before for John, and for other members of his family. So, like, I help everyone I can, and I help everyone on the housing list to the best of my ability. But we don't give out the houses personally ourselves, Patricia. We can only make representations. I think that point needs to be made very clearly. Okay, somebody says, uh, Patricia, who uses that picnic area in uh, winter? And somebody else is agreeing with Fiona. Nobody, el- nobody ever uses that uh, picnic area. That is a rubbish reason to ask these people uh, to move. Okay, so John, you're with the council at the moment, are you? You're trying to. Over here, trying to get a meeting here with the council. I'm trying to get a me- Okay, Noel, can you even help out with yes, there getting a meeting? I, I, okay, yeah, I'll actually ring John. Or I'll ring the okay. council now because I was going doing it anyway. Okay, we we we, we 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 will leave it there for now. We'll let John talk to Noel, see if we can get at least get the meeting going with the council, and see if there can be some solution. And Fiona, thank you by the way uh, for contacting us and, and highlighting the story. Um, good morning to you all, and, and 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 no doubt it is an issue. We will return to uh, Councillor Noel McCarthy, uh, John McDonough, who is living with his family in that picnic area in Formoy and uh, Fiona Kiley who is just a woman from the area who got friendly with the family. Somebody says would Fiona uh, like them to park in the green area in Bartlemy? I don't know where that's actually uh, coming from. Um, Reed John and his family said somebody else does Councillor McCarthy not realise that John is six years on a waiting list for a house it's not like the Beachfield Estate case says a North Cork listener this is a completely different uh, story and different case 1850 John Paul is taking your course you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home See breedhaven.ie. C103. Patricia Messenger on C103. Nominated for Speech Broadcaster of the Year at the 2018 IMRO Radio Awards. Now we're going to stay on a, a housing topic because it seems more than 20 families have been forced to pay local property tax for the last five years, even though they are living in an unfinished estate that clearly should be exempt from the payment. The issue has been highlighted by Finnegan North Cork Councillor John Paul O'Shea, who joins me. Good morning to John Paul. Good morning, Mr. Shane. Good morning. Uh, and I don't know if you heard uh, what we were just talking about with the issue with the the travelling family in Formoy and uh, the picnic area and they've been told they've got to move by tomorrow and I can see there's a lot of texts coming in with a lot of sympathy for this family because they're a family that's indigenous to the area from Oi and people know them but it's raising the bigger topic and the bigger issue of lack of accommodation for members of the travelling community when they find themselves homeless. And it's very much so, Patricia, I suppose we have a traveller accommodation budget in Cork County Council on an annual basis. And I suppose Cork County Council endeavours to try and, I suppose, allocate houses, purchase houses and build houses. And we have um, a halting site in, in North Cork in Baladineen in Donrell. 
and I suppose currently plans are, I suppose, well advanced in relation to building uh, accommodation for travellers uh, in that area. So but but I, none, none in Fermoy? I'm not aware of Fermoy, I don't represent Fermoy, Patricia knows though. Like from a North Cork and from a kind of a Kentrook Mallow perspective, um, you know, we don't have an issue like that at the moment. But it's certainly, I suppose, when we do have um, traveller families that are looking for accommodation, and particularly some traveller families have large families, a part of it, that's an issue in relation to, I suppose, building a property or purchasing a property which would have enough bedrooms to accommodate that. So there's quite a challenge there at the moment. I know, for example, we have bought, um, you know, one one of five bed property here in North Cork, and we also have bought a number of four bedroom properties, um, because of the fact that there is a, a, quite a, a need for, um, I suppose, properties that size uh, for large families. So there's there's quite an issue in terms of that, all right. But that's not only for uh, the travelling community, but it's for larger families yeah. in general. Okay, it does. It's, it's a nationwide problem. It isn't just a problem we're facing here in Cork, that's for sure. Okay, let me go back to the issue that I've, uh, I have I invite you onto the programme about the unfinished estate. The estate is in Milford. Describe the unfinished nature of the area. Well, I suppose, Patricia, it's, it's one of those um, boom estates that was built. It was granted planning permission in 2005 for 35 houses. Um, I believe um, in more than 20 those have been completed and they're now habitable um, and people have took out mortgages and paid money for these houses. Uh, unfortunately, the estate went into receivership sometime around 2008, 2009 um, and it has been long uh, unfinished since that time. I suppose, and I suppose I'm acutely aware of it since I became representing the area in 2014 and have been working at Clark County Council trying to solve the issues. Unfortunately, as I said, the developer has gone into liquidation and um, so now we're trying to claim down the bond from a financial institution to finish the estate. But I suppose I was working with the residents in relation to trying and doing that and trying to sort that out and uh, it came to my knowledge, I suppose, in recent weeks that the residents there have been asked to be paying the prop tax for the last number of years. Um, and I thought that was quite um, unusual given the fact that it's such an unfinished estate and as you know, the property tax came in in 2013 and part of the whole property tax legislation is that there was a section of that legislation which outlined the number of unfinished estates right across the country, not only in Cork County, but right across the country, Patricia. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, Gurtna Howan in Milford, that estate in Milford, is not part of that. Now, I've been talking to residents in the last number of years and they say they were exempt in 2013, 2014, but for whatever mysterious reason, 2015, even though no further works were completed to the estate at that stage, um, they became liable for property tax. So they've now, been paying since 2015? 2015. 2015. And, it's my, and my understanding, Patricia, and I've been, you know... You with me, John Paul? Breaking up slightly. Can you hear me, Patricia? Yeah, you're back. You're back, yeah. Sorry, you broke up there for, for a little while. Go on, yeah. Your, your understanding is... No, you're, can you move slightly with your phone, uh, John Paul? You're just, your signal is drifting ever so slightly. Have we lost? Yeah, you're back again. Okay, all right, that's that. better. Okay, go on. But my, my understanding from the Department uh, of Housing and Planning and Local Government is that they have very strict criteria in relation to what an unfinished estate is. But I suppose coming back to Milford, Milford doesn't have a complete estate. There's a lot of unfinished dwellings on the estate. And the final surface hasn't been completed. And Patricia, up until last year, they had all the holes dug for their public lighting to bury the poles and, um, and to put in the poles. 
and the holes were left open. Oh, and no poles put in? Because of the fact that it was brought to my attention, um, Patricia, we got the County Council to go out the last year and fill them in on a health and safety issue. You can imagine these people who would walk down to the shop in the evening time in Milford and walk back up in the dark and fall into one of these holes. So this estate is not just one that hasn't been finished in its entirety. and There might be a small few issues in relation to maybe one or two public lights out or the final stuff that needs to be done. To be honest, this, this is quite an unfinished estate. And, and, and an accident waiting to happen, judging by, thank God you got those holes uh, filled in. So what's the outcome? Are they going to get a rebate? Well, the outcome is, I suppose, I brought to you this to the motion, as a motion to Cork County Council at our last month's meeting. We've written to the department asking why it was, um, um, you know, left out of the list for stay. Now, we have got some information in the interim uh, from residents that they were actually exempt from 2013-2014. And they have not been exempt since 2015. That so seems bizarre, doesn't it? It does. And Do you it's think hard. it's just an admin error somewhere along the line? Somebody's well, I hope ticked so, a box? And we've a further meeting on Friday next, which is our monthly municipal district meeting. So we'll be asking further questions at that time. And I must say that I think the residents in Gordon have put up with an awful lot um, of uh, turmoil in the last number of years. A lot of those paid a lot of money for, for that, for those houses. And, you know, it's, I suppose, incumbent on the department and Cork County Council to work together and to make sure that financing institution with the AIB Bank, who are holding €150,000 of a bond, Patricia, uh, they release that bond immediately so we, as Cork County Council, can finish that estate. OK, good luck with that, uh, John Paul. And in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. No problem. Good morning. Good morning to you. That is uh, North Cork Councillor John Paul O'Shea. And uh, your heart, you couldn't help but feel sorry for the residents of uh, Gurtnahoun paying property tax on an estate that wasn't finished. That really is uh, shocking. Uh, 1850-333-103. In the next hour, we're going to be talking and hearing about uh, uh, hearing from a rural family having difficulty getting their bins collected. Eddie Mannix updates us on his tractor trailer uh, reverse fundraiser and a mental health well-being initiative for West Cork and we will also bring you up to speed with uh, your texts and calls coming in throughout the morning. That's all afternoons at 11. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, just a couple of texts coming in with reaction to what we talked about in the last uh, hour. Uh, John and his family, this is uh, John McDonald, the member of the travelling community that I spoke to in the last hour, who has been told to move from the picnic area and he has been told to move by tomorrow, Thursday, or he, he claims he faces being arrested. Uh, if he doesn't move but his argument is where do I move to? Uh, somebody says uh, Johnny's family they're fine people it's a disgrace that they're stuck there so long um, and as a local too I know no one that uses that amenity spot it actually looks much better now than it did before John and his family moved in if they need to help themselves then that's what they are uh, doing and we've had a few other people actually agreeing with Fiona who made that point that nobody ever uses that picnic amenity spot it's lovely to have these amenity spots but it's rare you'll drive by these amenity spots and see somebody actually sitting having a picnic as somebody said who's going to have a picnic in the middle of winter I do worry about though when John was describing the large trees and trees coming down during the storm and the, the old fell on one of the older caravans and you'd worry from a health and safety point of view as well I mean they're young uh, their children are young they're, four, they're six, four, three and two 
I mean, they're babies, really. I, th- that side of it, I, I really would uh, worry about. Uh, just staying on that whole issue of housing and the housing of large families, then, I suppose, really is what has come out of this. Um, John Paul McNamara, or John, I got the wrong name, John Paul O'Shea. Oh, I was getting the two John Pauls mixed up. Councillor John Paul O'Shea making the point that the, the council do have a problem around trying to house large families. No, it isn't just members of the travelling community have uh, larger families, families, but part of their tradition, they do have much larger families than, say, people in the settled community. So it can be an issue for the council then trying to find accommodation large enough, trying to find the five and six bedroomed houses. And then if they need emergency accommodation, impossible to get, you wouldn't get a hotel room for two adults and four children. It just wouldn't be possible. Mike says, Patricia, it's also forgotten that when the council allocated houses to families with three, four and five young children, those children grew up quickly and fly the nest. And then these houses are left in the hands of a couple. Sometimes there might be only one parent left in those houses. Yet the council do damn all about it as long as the rent is being paid while other families who are desperate cannot get a house. The council would want to get their finger out and get out of their ivory tower and do an an overall of the system, says Michael in Castletown Bear. And we would have heard over the years from some older people who live in houses that might be typically three-bedroomed houses, but some might be living in a, in a four-bedroomed or a five-bedroomed house. Houses too big, exactly as Michael has described. They've raised their family, they've flown the nest, uh, they then might be widowed or separated and they're living in the house on, on their own. The larger house is more expensive to heat, it's more expensive to run and they would love to downgrade and we, we know we've heard of people who've contacted the council saying, you know, will you give me a smaller unit, you know, a, a one or two bedroom apartment might be nice or one or two bedroomed house would be nice but they don't have that housing stock uh, either. Now, uh, Michael, I will also say having read out your comment, there are other people who are living in houses, three and four bedroomed houses, where they've raised their families. They're the only one left. And come hell or high water, they don't want to leave that house. That house is their home and it's the home they want to remain in. So you can't force people out of a house just because they don't have enough people living in the house to sleep in all of the bedrooms. That is the other side of that. But thank you uh, for your uh, your um, text uh, today to 0862103103. And the holy pictures, and what can we do with the holy pictures? Vincent's shop in Bantry would love some of those holy pictures and statues if anybody's giving them away, uh, says a WhatsApp or thanks in advance. Also looking for volunteers when I call in for a uh, chat. So anybody in the Bantry area got a few hours to spare. Would you like to become a volunteer and work in the Vincent's uh, charity shop? And I, I, I say that to people who find themselves with time on their hands. It's a great thing to do to volunteer and get involved in charity shops. And of course, the more people that get involved, you only have to do a few hours a week. But it's a kind of a social outlet as well. It gets you out and about. You'll end up getting a whole new circle of friends and at the same time you will be supporting a very worthwhile charity so glad to give that a mention for Vincent's that's the Vincent's charity shop in Bantry but I'm sure if you go to any of the charity shops they will be more than uh, delighted to see you coming if you are willing to volunteer and just on the whole thing of the religious statues and the religious pictures that came out from my chat yesterday about St. Therese of Lisieux Frank not too happy says but Patricia, why are you bringing religion onto your programme? In order to get rid of the religious pictures, just burn them, says Frank. Look at the millions of children that have been abused by what 
this is Frank's words, that scumbag of religion called the Catholic Church, throwing almost 800 babies' bodies into a septic tank in Tume in County Galway. I rest my case. Kind regards, Frank, who is taking umbrage and objection to the fact that we spoke about religion on the programme. Well, you know, religion and the Catholic Church, Frank, mightn't float your boat. I will be the first to say there's been wrongs done in the Catholic Church, but you can't tire everyone with the one brush. You also can't take away people's faith from them. And when I sat in the studio yesterday talking to Uno Hagen and Colm Keane about their book on, on the life of the Little Forest St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, to see the passion with which they spoke about that particular saint. And I also opened the programme by saying we'd imagine Massive response to it. So there are obviously, Frank, a lot of people who were glad that we brought a bit of religion to the programme yesterday. We don't do religious items every day on the programme, but there is a sector of society who are very proud and very happy to call themselves members of the Catholic Church and are very happy to practice their faith. So, I mean, just because wrong has been done in the church, are you saying we shouldn't be mentioning religion at all. And, you know, and as to burn, the burning of the religious pictures, the lady who contacted us yesterday who's clearing out her family home, she doesn't want the pictures in her own house. She's obviously not practising her Catholic faith, but something tells her she doesn't want to just dump them in the bin, that somebody else might get some happiness and some satisfaction uh, from them. So, you know, I see nothing wrong in putting out the suggestion, what will we do with them? But I don't know, I I wouldn't be going down your route of just burning them, particularly when they can mean something to uh, somebody else. Thank you for your text, though, to 0862 103 103. And just on the topic of housing, there's a text in from Tom in Mallow to to say, Hi, Patricia. What happens if you've never paid property tax? We were talking about the local property tax in the last hour. What happens if you've never paid property tax? I mean, I never got a bill for it. Do I say nothing? Says Tom in uh, Mallow. Now, somewhere along the line, Tom, uh, and it's, it's, is it, is it revenue? It's revenue, isn't it, that collects the property tax? It's one of the reasons there's such a high a payment of property tax because when a revenue bill comes through the door you pay it and you pay it uh, immediately Tom I have to say hand on heart we haven't been contacted by many people who haven't paid their property tax not because they don't want to pay their property tax because they never got a bill for the, for the property tax we'll give it out what would be your advice to Tom in Mallow should he be contacting revenue to say oi this is me down in Mallow I own a property you've never sent me out a bill or Does he say absolutely nothing at all? And I also would be interested to hear, has that happened to anybody else? Has anybody else been forgotten about for whatever reason? A bill never arrived from revenue for a local property tax. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850. Three 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 one zero three, and a quick mention to a lovely photograph that is making the front page of the Irish Examiner, and it's Love Your Beach. And when you look at it closely, it's an aerial view of 129 students and teachers from St Coleman's Community College in Middleton and Colostan Cuivnefa in Carrigmore. They cleaned up Ballycronine and Ballybranigan beaches in East Cork and the students in a under three hours collected 101 bags of rubbish. 
13 tyres and they found lots and lots and lots of old fishing nets and that was just in a three hour period. Well done to, uh, to those young um, people. We might try and get on to the group organising that. God, we, if we could, we so need more people to get out like those students and start cleaning up the beach. I don't know if people watched. There was a fantastic programme on the BBC on Monday night, was it? Uh, by one of our own Irish uh, journalists. Um, which she's, she's, a, I think she's a marine biologist, isn't she? Um, Liz uh, Bonin. She works full time now over the BBC. She's fantastic. And she has a lot of those nature programmes. It was a one and a half hour documentary called Drowning in Plastics and it struck me when I started watching it because it's unusual to have a programme that would run for an hour and a half and normally those um, documentaries run for an hour and I'm sure when she started the programme and the organiser started the programme they took her all over the world to see how the entire world is drowning in plastic. I'm I'm sure what what they uncovered shocked her, certainly. She was in tears for a lot of the programme. I'm sure that's one of the reasons they went to an hour and a half. They couldn't actually get it all into an hour. And there wasn't a part of this wonderful earth on which we live that we haven't destroyed because of the amount of plastics that we are are using. And every single piece of plastic we have ever used is somewhere in the world. And to see the destruction of the planet to see what's been done to our wildlife even Antarctica the plastic has has reached it is just do you know it was one of those programmes it didn't do me good to watch it I sort of came away thinking don't think I'm going to sleep too well tonight I was just dumbfounded I I think I said oh my god so many times during the programme they would expose something that had happened either to an animal or in the sea my god the amount of plastic in the sea and what it's doing to the aquatic life of our oceans and you kind of go oh my god oh and I I spent the whole programme saying OMG it was just shocking it was shocking we all and I mean it's it's all doing a little bit. And I know people say, oh, for God's sake, going to clean up a beach. What difference will that make? But I mean, light the candle. Let's not curse the darkness. We need to all get out and do our little bit. And then in the bigger picture, we all need to look at the amount of plastics. I mean, certainly since I watched the programme on Monday night, every time I'm going to the bin to put a piece of plastic in, I'm thinking, oh, my God, where is this going to end up? And every time I'm going to get something out of the, the food cupboard or get something out of the fridge, I'm stopping and thinking, could I have got that in an alternative way without the packaging, without the wrapping? We all just have to stop and think and all do our own little bit. 1850. 333103 or you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 Person is wanted for immediate start that's on a poultry farm which is based near Roscarbury. Dan Siemens Motors, they're on Forge Hill in Cork. They're looking for a fully qualified mechanic or a late phase mechanic. While Padre Pio Nursing Home in Churchtown, they're looking for an experienced chef and fully qualified first uh, first and second fit carpenter required for Fitzgerald construction. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, Amory from West Cork has contacted us looking for advice on what her son and his family can do to get their bins collected. They're having problems getting a waste collector to service the area where they live. And Amory uh, joins me to fill us in more on the story. Good morning to you, Amory. 
Come on, Patricia. Now, where exactly does your son and his little family live and what efforts have they gone to to get their bins collected? They just live literally off the main uh, Bentry, Dunmanway main road. And we're literally about one to two minutes drive up the off a country road, which joins another road. And there's about five houses on the road. We have contacted two um, private waste collectors that service the area, but neither will service the road. And e- the only even, even with five houses? Yes. Now, I know we spoke to one of the neighbours and they said they have to bring their bins down to the bottom of the road. And the house that my son is in is their rented house and the previous owners have to bring their bins down to the bottom of the road as well. So I don't know if they're all using the same company or what and bringing their bins down, but... Like, it, it, it's, it's only literally one to two minutes drive up the main road, right? I, I, and you can turn just above the house, you know, and it's not... It's a fairly wide road, really, for a country road, so... Yeah, because somebody somebody made that point when, when I said we were going to be talking about this. Somebody made that point that the, the bin truck has got to be able to, tur- to, 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 to turn. And you reckon there is room for it for him to... T- there's a forest area just past the house and there's a road and there's plenty of room to turn. And you can there's a little lay-by just in front of the house as well. He obviously can't turn there, but there's definitely a place above the road. And he can join another road. I'm sure they even... They probably even use the collections on the the road that the, this road meets, you know. So, yeah. I, I just, it's not like if it was miles away, I would say something. But they were just literally, you can see them passing the main road. And, and they've then, been to, they've been told by two. There's two bin bin companies working that area, is it? Yes, I uh, I rang the main office and then I rang the local branch. There's one in Jim League, and they've been told they don't service the road and just try the other company. And the other company is saying the same thing: they don't service the road. The only option is bring your bins down to the bottom of the road. And is that hugely inconvenient? Well, it's just that my son, he's working about 12 hours a day and he works five days a week and his wife is is working as well. And it's just, I don't know, it's just it's crazy. By the time they come back at night, it'll be really soft at night and you don't know where the bins are. Are they still there? Or, it's just, I just think it's crazy. You know, it's not as if it's miles up the road. It's just a little yeah. one minute drive up the road. I was just wondering if you had other listeners. Yeah, well, I know we, we had one listener had the problem, but then when she got two other houses in the road to agree to all go with the one company, the company, it was KWD yeah. uh, in Clonakilty, and because there was three collections down the road and a space for the truck to turn, uh, they agreed to go down the road then. So I'm wondering if you could get three, your son, and get two other houses and go to one company and say, three houses, we'll all give you our business. Yeah, I'm sure if they would agree to that, I'm sure there would be no problem. Yeah, it might it might be worth give, giving that yeah. a try. Giving yeah, that a try. And what what are they doing for with their rubbish at the moment? Well, I'm I'm babysitting one day a week, so I'm bringing them back in the car each week. The rubbish, and I'm bringing it to my local uh, waste association, which is down well, the road. Yeah, that's not ideal. No, it's not. And, you know, as a young child, you know, there's a lot of... And lot of did I also baby. hear there's baby on the way? There's a baby on the way. Ah. They have a two-year-old as well. So and nappies and everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, listen, um, Amory, tell them give that tell them give that a, a, a go. Oh, yeah. Ask two of the other houses, pick one company and say, we've got three. Will you- Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dios. And that let us know how you can arm, will you? Thanks very much, Christian. All right, Amory. God bless. God bless. Uh, 1853-33103. If anybody else is in that uh, pickle of having to haul the bins down to the end of the road, it is really, really inconvenient. Now, one of the first calls we made on Monday morning when we came into work was to check with Eddie Mannix from Mallow to find out how his tractor and trailer reverse drive went was a fundraiser for Temple Street Children's Hospital. We particularly wanted to see, did he manage to make it into the Guinness Book of Records? Eddie joins me with what can be only described as very disappointing news. Uh, good morning to you, Eddie. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. You had to cancel the fundraiser almost uh, at the last minute. Tell us what uh, happened. Yeah, postpone it. The insurance wouldn't cover the event. The insurance company we were dealing with just wouldn't cover us. And when did you become aware that there might be an issue with insurance? Um, it was Friday afternoon. And I got the official phone call on at half three on Friday about it, that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be covered, 100% wouldn't be covered. And had you any indication before that that there might be an issue with insurance? No, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. None whatsoever. And it's been done before, so, I mean, we're assuming others have got insurance. Yeah, I, I, I think it was more so to do with the fact that I didn't own the tractor and that oh. I wasn't employed by the person that owned the tractor either. Now, even though there is open driving and stuff like that, that's just kind of the way it worked out, you know. And it wasn't even a case of, well, pay us a huge premium and we'll let you do it. They didn't even give you an offer like that. No, no, we, we did ask about that. Um, I even tried to get out, take out my own my own policy on the Friday on the, the vehicle as well, just to try... Like as in take out a 12-month policy just to try and get this going and, and it oh, just bless. didn't work. You actually tried to take out a 12-month policy on a tractor that you didn't own? Yeah. Oh. I was doing everything I possibly could just to get it going for the Saturday morning. And all the planning that went into to this? Yeah, yeah. God, you must But, be cautious. I am, I am. But look, right, this is... This, this, 
it's happened, right? I can do nothing about this now. We did try on Monday to get... To, we spoke with the insurance company in Dublin and they did go into talks with us. There was nothing could happen on Friday. They, um, it was just a, a straight up no. But then on Monday we did talk to them and um, they looked for information. We gave them information. Um, they looked for more. We gave them more. They asked us questions. We answered it. And um, yesterday then they kind of came back with and they just said no, it wouldn't be covered. Just wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. Can you uh, look I, to different insurance companies? Yes. Yeah, I've tried that role as well. But like, I mean, it's it's... Like, there isn't that many uh, companies in Ireland that would um, insure tractors, and it kind of all comes back down to the same company, I think, because I, I don't want to mention names, but it comes back okay. to the same company over and over again. They'd be like the underwriters. Yeah. You know, so no matter who you go to in Ireland, it'd probably end up going back to them anyway. My only hope now is if we could put an appeal out on the radio like this, that we, if we could ask if there was any insurance company in Ireland or England would be willing to cover the event just for a four-hour window on a Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's an insurance broker listening that might have advice or might be able to point us in the right direction. I might know of a yeah. company that would do it. And I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to be bombing around Mallow at 100 miles an hour. Uh, it's going to be at a very slow pace. You, you, really and is, and yeah. I mentioned the amount of work you've put into it. You've got, you know, people ahead of you, behind you. Yeah, and it's I, very by, early hours in the morning. By, by Thursday evening, I had actually increased it to six escort vehicles just to be 100% sure that I could cover every option that might or anything that might pop up that if, just in case one of the vehicles did break down, all right, I have a backup one there. You know, I had them already waiting to go. But it didn't work out. It didn't you work would, out. You'd contacted the guard, Oh, the, the, the guards were The guards were 100% on board. 100% on board with me. There was no question about that. There was no question whatsoever about the guards. They were 100% on board and uh, civil defence as well had volunteered um, an ambulance and an EMT um, driving the vehicle as well for the event as well. And you were going to go out, was it half five in the morning or something? You were I going was to... going to be, I, was, I would have been 100% off the road by half nine in the morning. It yeah. wouldn't have been any more than four. And, and we're talking Saturday morning when they'd be lit. It would have been be. a Saturday morning, yeah. And I mean, I would have been able to walk with the insurance company if they were saying, We'd rather do it between three and seven. We don't like the idea of four hours. We'd only like two hours. At this point now, I just wanted to do it just to give all the brilliant people and kind people that have donated to me, um, just give them something, like something of value for money. Now, I will be doing something. I'm I'm aiming for Saturday week. I I, I will be doing something that Saturday morning. It'll be 100%. There'll be something going ahead. It mightn't be with a tractor and trailer reversing. I mightn't even be driving anything, but I will be doing something. Okay. Well, we won't we won't give up. We won't give up on the tractor and and trailer yet. And do you think the big the big issue is because you don't own the tractor? Honestly, at this point, I don't know. I just don't know because I am because I can't physically speak to the the people that are, are asking the questions. Do you know? If if I could speak to them myself, but like that, when I'm not the policy holder, they won't speak to. I know. Same as everything else. And you know, unless and they know it's for Tempest Street Children's Hospital, do they? Do they know yeah. it's a f- yeah? Yeah. No, like that. Um, because of the way everything has gone, look, I'm, I, all I want to do now at this point, I don't care about a Guinness World Record, anything like that. I just want to do this event. If it's only doing it once, I don't mind. If it's only one trip, I you know, I've even thought about maybe if I could get into a field. If I could get into the race course of Mallow, drive around the ambulance road that, that they used for following the horses in the race course. Just do something like that. Yeah. Would you, just, sti- just would you still need insurance for that though? Here we go again. This is the big question now. Do I need insurance yeah. for that? Yeah. 
And we hit the video. Pat O'Hara came on and said he'd Pat videos. Pat O'Hara was, was, was on board ah, and everything like that. This is just yeah. so disappointing. And how much money have you raised so far or have people pledged? Um, online, I have... Um, no, I didn't look at it today, but I've gone over the 1,000 anyway well done. online. And I have gone close to 1,400, 1,500 euros in cash donations. Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? Uh, it's flying it there, brilliant, absolutely overwhelmed, even when the news went out about it being postponed. Not cancelled now, I was my, yeah, I want to do yeah, something. Postponed. Something will happen, it, you know, but it will be legit, I won't do anything. I wanted to make sure whatever I was doing, I was right. And I will be doing something on, on, on the Saturday, so, but as I'm saying, even when when I put it up that it was postponed, people were still donating. Even even up to yesterday, there was people still coming up and giving me money for it. Uh, listen, listen Eddie, brilliant. people know your heart's in the right place and that you're doing it for all the right reasons. It's yeah. uh, Help Aoife Say Thank You, by the way, is the GoFundMe page. And it was, uh, just remind yeah. listeners who maybe didn't hear you last week, it was your little daughter uh, when she was a baby, got very, very unwell. Yeah, yeah. Now look, um, Patricia, I appreciate everything you're doing for me, but the only thing I would say is, I am against the wire here now with time because I will have to contact guards and put everything back in place again. So if I if I don't know by this Friday, it'll just be I'll have to postpone. The, it just won't go ahead, but it'll just be something that I'll do myself here with my family okay. or something like that. You know. Okay, because so we're looking for a broker, a broker or an insurance company, somebody that will come up trumps uh, to cover the insurance costs uh, or, or give. Um, uh, an insurance policy for the four hours we reckon it will take for the four reversing. Hours, or I can do three hours. Three hours. Okay. Whatever, whatever the insurance company wants at this at this at this stage, or if people can point us in the direction of where we need to go. Okay, we'll stay in contact with you, Eddie. Okay. No and listen, thank and thank you for that. Um, uh, keep keep it up, though. You know, I, I I know by you, I can hear it in your voice that you are determined. Somebody, as Eddie Brian has just said, did you try Farm First Insurance in Mallow? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like as I said, I think it still comes back to the to the main crowd again. You know, the underwriters. Yeah, I think yeah, so. yeah. Um, there's, there's one company I'd say only doing it. That's the way it works. Yeah, All maybe right. one, possibly two. So it's, look, it's, as I said, now it's just whatever whatever we can do now. If there's a, there is anybody that is willing to kind of come up either in Ireland or England and just help me do this event, as I said, a four hour window or less is all I need for to do it. You know. Okay. All right, hang in there, hang in there. We'll keep in contact. Thanks for that. Bye bye. Uh, Eddie Mannix from Mallow. How disappointing for him and and we know that this reverse tractoring uh, tractor and trailer has been done before because there's a world record that he was trying to break but as he said he'll, the, the, the world record now he'll even throw out the door that it doesn't um, it doesn't matter he just he wants to be able to do it because you know people have been supporting him now not that anyone listen people who've donated for this cause have donated because it's for Temple Street Children's Hospital and have donated because Eddie and his family are you know nice decent lovely people who want to give something back to a hospital who helped them save their little girl's life, uh, Aoife, and they want to do it to say thank you. So, I mean, I know deep down people won't say, oh, I want my money back because you didn't do the tractor and trailer reverse. People won't won't say that. But he's just such an honourable guy. He wants to say, look, I set this up. I promised I'd do it. I want to do something. So does anybody know a way around this? Does anybody know an insurance company, a broker in Ireland or in England, Eddie says, who can help us out? Uh, Dan says, Patricia, isn't it the dirty, uncontrolled word again of insurance? Yeah, but it's just so disappointing that it has left uh, Eddie uh, down in this way. Uh, Really horrible thing to have happened 1850 if you can help us out text or whatsapp 0862 103 103
Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. A new mental health and well-being service for communities in West Cork called the Wellbeing Network will be launched at a public event in League Community Hall this afternoon at, um, at two o'clock. Uh, joining me is Priscilla Lynch, who is the head of uh, service health and well-being for the Cork Kerry Community Health Care, and she's coordinating the Wellbeing uh, Network. Good morning to you, Priscilla. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome. Now, before we talk about the plan for today, launch. Talk to me about the main aim of this initiative. Absolutely. Well, um, I suppose firstly to say I'm delighted that we've got to this stage where we're officially launching it today and the Wellbeing Network aims to provide a holistic approach. I suppose we recognise the need for individuals to access non-clinical resources to enable them to improve their overall health and well-being. And an important part of any preventative approach is the provision of information so that people can be fully informed about what is available in their local community, what things might work in order to help them through difficult periods, and most of all, to empower people to take ownership of their own well-being. I suppose on a practical level, the Wellbeing Network will offer guidance to the public on how to treat you know, common mental health ailments, just like you can take actions around improving our physical health. There are relatively easy steps that can be taken to um, bolster your mental health immunity. Uh, I suppose really fundamentally what this is, it's a, it's a one-stop shop. Um, that will provide information to the community at large right across West Cork um, in terms of encouraging them to look after their own well-being through resources such as signposting to support services, both statutory and non-statutory to community, and really emphasising five ways to improving your overall well-being. Is this the first? It is the first. Um, there would be a number of initiatives, as you would know, in pockets, what we would call pockets of, of different um, aspects of geography right across the two counties that I would have a responsibility for in Cork and Kerry. But this is the first of, of its kind, whereby we've pooled all of the information together on one resource, which is a website, and we have a social media platform as well. And basically it means regardless of where you're living in West Cork, you have a one link to go to in order to find out exactly what information is readily available for you, be it for yourself. Um, As you know, at various different times, similar to physical health issues, at any time any one of us can face mental health challenges. And or we may be, um, we may have a loved one that um, is facing some um, difficulties. And so this information platform will um, assist individuals in terms of if they want to improve their overall well-being or if they're trying to assist an individual. So it's moving away from the medical model of mental health to a more social model. It is based on the social model and, you know, there would be aspects of it in operation in other, um, you know, international countries. But I I wouldn't necessarily say that it is moving away from a medical model. I would say it's complementary to it. Um, So we all know that living in a community, there are aspects that will improve our overall well-being. For example, we know that there is a huge um, volume of research that's um, readily available that says how physical activity benefits our overall mental health. And we know we all have off days, shall we call them, where our our mental health wouldn't be what we would like it to be. And that in turn affects how you engage with your family, how you engage with your community, how you might actually engage around physical health, eating well, etc. So this encompasses all of those components. It's taking a very holistic approach to an individual but it's basing it on a localised basis. 
So, for example, if I live out in the Bear Peninsula, it'll tell me what's readily available, what might interest me as an individual in order to keep me well, both mentally and physically. So it will tell me everything that's available in the Bear Peninsula from physical activity, healthy eating initiatives, um, community programs such as art-based programs, music intervention. But it will also tell me the statutory services that are available there and, um, I suppose, individuals with expertise that will be able to give me further information around particular diagnosis, etc. Well done. Well done. It's, it's a long overdue because you've got people living in rural and very remote areas who really may not have a clue what's going on in their in their area Absolutely. And we find ourselves that we're grappling with, uh, you know, a constant plethora of directories, shall we say. And this is where everybody can actually feed into this. And where it's, it's, it is really the one stop shop. And um, obviously today's launch is just the start of this very exciting initiative whereby we, um, you know, it's a joint initiative between ourselves in the HSE with National Learning Network and with Cork County Council. And of course, with the wider community, there are a huge plethora of organisations right across the community from community halls, the GA, the resource centre, um, various different parishes, training centres, etc., that are all involved in terms of how we grow this and develop it and continuously update it so that the information is not just only fresh, but also it's telling people what's actually going to happen in their community. Um, so, for example, uh, again, if I was living in another part of, of West Cork, maybe up uh, Clonakilty, and um, I didn't necessarily, I don't necessarily want to engage in a service in Clonakilty, I'll know what's happening maybe in the next town, maybe in Skipperine or up around yeah, the that's good. So that I, I have that option that I can be anonymous if I want mm. in terms of getting information. And also we, we're very astute to the fact that you know uh, services are moving more and more online where people want to get information readily at home. Uh, people are becoming you know, very more astute in terms of getting information directly from the internet. And so I suppose we wanted to take control in terms of providing all of that information in one one particular setting for them and Cork County Council have been fantastic in terms of the engagement around the library so we have for example we have um, a recovery stories project that's happening in the library so people can go in and they can listen to um, individuals who have used various different services and um, their experiences of those so that um, I suppose it takes the fear out of of mental health and the stigma that's associated with it. Yeah, and I'm thrilled to hear you talk about uh, exercise and getting people um, out exercising. The amount of people we would have interviewed on this programme over the years who talk about how uh, when they battled with um, uh, mental health issues turned to exercise as part of their recovery, be it taking up a sport, going jogging or simply getting out for a walk every night and the amount of people that talk about what it does for their mental health Absolutely. I mean, all the evidence would show us that physical, the, the benefits of physical activity and mental health are, are phenomenal in terms of keeping your brain healthy, increasing your self-esteem, um, you know, getting a good night's sleep, improving your mood, connecting, connecting with your family, connecting with your community. So, for example, like you said there, Patricia, meeting up with a local um, walking group and joining the local walking group. We all know the benefits of that in terms of, of, of the, the spirit of, of doing a physical activity with a group of, of individuals. So, 
so the five ways to well-being are about about giving, giving of your time, giving of your words, giving of your presence, being active, just like what we've described around our own physical activity and what you can do, and that you enjoy it in terms of improving your mood, that you also enjoy it, that it's not a chore, um, around keep learning so that we um, embrace new experiences, that we look at all of the different opportunities that are available to people in West Cork, that we connect, that we talk, we listen, we feel connected, connected not just with our family but with our wider community and that we take notice. Um, so that's coming from obviously the, the large national campaign around the, the Little Things campaign and really again it's that whole connectivity and I really feel personally myself um, as a West Cork person hmm. that there's no better place to start such an initiative because we actually have the foundation of that. It's a, a wonderful place to live. We are very much connected. We're a very much caring society and this is really building on that and, okay. and putting a forward to it. And you are launching, officially launching today, Drimley Community Hall, 2 o'clock. Uh, who's going to take part in today's launch? Yes, that's correct. We're launching it officially today. Um, Senator Joe Freeman is going to be present. And um, obviously, um, Joan has huge experience of um, being an advocate for mental health services for many years. So she's um, going to speak about the work that she's undertaken around the Oireachtas Committee and obviously the future for mental health care, which she's currently chair of. And we have um, County Mayor Councillor Patrick Dirt Murphy and um, uh, Mayor Murphy obviously has huge experience in working with National Learning Network and um, he's going to speak. And also we have um, Rob Heffernan who has come to endorse it. And Rob is going to actually speak just about his motivation and about his own mental well-being and in terms of his achievements over the years. Okay, and it, it's uh, two o'clock. Can anybody turn up? I mean, is it absolutely. open to? Yeah, it is open to yeah. anybody. That one and all. Like absolutely anyone that's that's welcome, uh, more than welcome to attend. We will have um, some um, demonstration music from the from the West Cork um, uh, choir, and uh, the gambling session will be on at the end. And anyone that would like to attend, they're more than welcome to attend. Um, but may I also ask Patricia that um, that you would encourage everyone, and that I would would ask that everybody would look at the social media challenge, challenge, challenges excuse me, which are um, at WC Wellbeing on Facebook and Twitter, but also that um, people would start to utilise and to speak and to share about this resource, which is www.thewellbeingnetwork.ie. Thewellbeingnetwork.ie. Yeah. And okay. that really that's the resource for promoting your health and wellbeing and it'll, where if, if there are events or activities that are happening right across West Cork, we would be absolutely delighted to showcase them and get that message out to individuals. Brilliant initiative. Good luck with it, Priscilla. Um, good luck at the launch today and thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Excellent, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Priscilla Bye. Lynch, Head of uh, Service, Health and Wellbeing for the Cork Kerry Community Region and she's coordinating the Wellbeing Network. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed our competition. Do we want to do this over the phone? Uh, Today we do. Okay, this is our competition in association with the Everyman. A pair of tickets to the Nightingale and the Rose with complimentary dinner for two at Green's Restaurant. And our tickets today are for uh, Tuesday the 16th of October. We need you to identify this rose. No chance in hell are you getting that tattooed across your back. Now that is somebody who has a name with the kin, whose name is connected to Rose. Who is that Rose? Not a chance in hell are you getting that tattooed across your back? 
Uh, I'm smiling because I, I can see the scene where that was on the TV. Uh, 1850-333-103. John Paul has taken the course. We'll go for caller eight and caller nine to get through to John Paul now. And caller eight and caller nine will each wear a pair of tickets and dinner for two on Tuesday the 16th of October. The Nightingale and the Rose. You're invited to join Cork favourites Kim Sheehan, Magella Colla, Owen Gilhooley and Joy Corbett for our promises to be a night of operatic enchantment at the Everyman to the Nightingale and the Rose along with complimentary dinner at Green's Restaurant. Lovely, lovely prize and if you would like ticket information about the Nightingale and the Rose can I direct you please to everymancork.com Not a chance in hell are you getting that tattooed across your back? Now also I'm looking for your gardening questions please because Peter Dowdle will join us later on in this hour text or WhatsApp your gardening questions just while the phone lines are rather busy with John Paul getting our winner for the Everyman. So if you want to text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103, uh, we'll make a note of your gardening question and uh, hopefully put it to uh, um, Peter Dowdle, the Irish gardener, when he joins us uh, later on this hour. OK, some of your texts coming into the programme. People reacting to pro Eddie Mannix and he doing, you know, Great things and, and trying to raise some money for Tempestry Children's Hospital. Wonderful, wonderful hospital. Let's say he absolutely believes he and his family that without Tempestry Children's Hospital, they, his little girl would not be alive today. So it's a little thank you from Aoife, his little daughter, and organising this tractor and trailer reverse and then got stymied by the, ins- by the tractor, by the insurance uh, company. Some texts in, John says, Jer, sorry Jer, Jer says, Patricia, if that guy was to lease a tractor, Eddie, for a weekend from, say, a farm machine gar- garage, would he be able to get temporary insurance cover that way? I think he should r- approach somebody like the Cork Farm Machinery Company in Cork or a similar farm machinery, somebody who hires out or leases out farm farm machinery and see if they could help him out. Can I wish him the best of luck, says uh, Gerard. That's the way around it because the, the problem seems to be that Eddie doesn't own the tractor. That seems to be the stumbling block because Sandy says on tractor insurance, not surprised at Sandy, that an insurance company scuppering the tractor charity rum. Even if a farmer wishes to use his neighbour using his tractor insurance, companies want the helping neighbour to be regarded as an employee with all of the corresponding rules and regulations that go with it. You can insure, you can only insure a tractor if it's registered in your name and that's the problem Eddie is is having. Could it be arranged, says Sandy, that he temporarily has ownership of a, tra- a tractor transferred to him so they could again get insurance. Would it be possible? Would an insurance company insure him for the run then? Uh, would it be worth a try? You know, Sandy, that was something I thought about as well. Could you just transfer o- ownership just, you know, for the weekend and then just transfer the ownership back uh, on the Monday? It's, you know, I think at this stage, Eddie is willing to try anything. And we still haven't heard from any broker or any insurance company that can either help us or point us in the right direction. I think more than anything, that's what we're looking for is help and advice because Eddie is quite determined that he wants to to try at least, at least making it a final push uh, to try and do the tractor and trailer reverse uh, drive. OK, some of your WhatsApps in. Michael is picking up on Frank who took me to task over mentioning religion on the programme and uh, was 
giving out about the Catholic Church and saying I shouldn't be mentioning religion. Michael says, Patricia, how dare anybody try and berate you over religion? We are a Catholic country. Mass goers might be getting fewer, but people do pray as they do realise the power of prayer. Listening to that beautiful interview with Una O'Hagan and her lovely husband Colm Keane yesterday, it will bring a tear to a stone. The hardened criminal bows his head in prayer. The nuns are blamed a lot, but take a step back and look at the root cause of the problem. Then you may cast your judgment. How dare anyone try and muzzle you. Thank you, says Michael. And thank you for jumping into my defence, Michael. I really do appreciate that. Morning, Patricia. I heard John's story. This was John McDonough, member of the travelling community, living in a mobile home over a year now. Picnic area of Fromoy. Gardaí went in with him on Monday. He has to move the mobile home by tomorrow, Thursday, and he has nowhere to go. Anyway, uh, the, this is Heidi saying, listening to John's story and what was said about private renting. I've said this before. Some landlords try to pick tenants because of the way their property has been treated by some former tenants. You just have to see some private rented houses and how they're treated on some of those television programmes. Some lose out to rent when people refuse to pay their rent, while landlords might have to use that money in order to pay the mortgage as they could be buying the house to give themselves a little bit of a pension when they retire, as the banks will give you no incentive at all to put your money away for old age. Now, not all tenants are good some have the attitude, well, it's not my property, so I don't give a damn about it. The landlord has plenty, so let them do all of the repairs. So so think it's OK to not, some think it's OK not to pay rent, etc. Says Heidi, P.S. not all landlords are money mad. And you're right, you're right. You, absolutely. Landlords in the past have been stung by bad tenants. I absolutely accept that. But listening to John's story and listening to people contacting us and he had been renting a house very successfully. It was just unfortunate that the gentleman he was renting his house from, his daughter was coming back from Australia, needed a house to live in. So I mean it wasn't that John got evicted from a property. I can absolutely understand when somebody gets evicted or, or somebody gets forced to leave a property because of the condition they kept the property in. I 100% would back anyone and support any landlord who would refuse to rent the property to them. But that doesn't seem to be the case with John and his little family. There's nothing we've heard from nobody to say, oh, they thrashed a house or they wouldn't be uh, good tenants. That simply is not the case. And he buying the mobile and putting it into the picnic area as some people are saying, is him trying to look after his family and trying to do the best that he can. And actually, we've had a number of people, I'm, I'm, I'm quite taken aback by the number of people who've come to say that John and his family are fine people and that they really should be uh, looked after. Somebody else says, Patricia, I'm a native of Formoy. 30, 40, 50 years ago, they, there used to be travellers always parked where John is parked at the moment. But the council, when they moved them on, or when the families decided to move on, or maybe they moved into housing, the council then turned it into a picnic area to stop future members from the travelling community parking there. Tell the council to leave that family alone. They're actually keeping it better than the council ever did. And we've had a few people in saying that same point, that John and uh, Natasha, his uh, partner, they clean up the area and they are keeping, there isn't, there's no, no one could come and say there's evidence 
evidence of dumping, no one can come and evidence, say there's evidence of antisocial behaviour. They don't seem to be bothering anyone. Now, the councillor saying they're bothering people who want to go in for picnics, but people are telling us nobody goes for a picnic there and we're in the middle of winter, so people are hardly going to be coming along with their little checkered tablecloth and sitting down for a, a picnic. So people do seem to have a lot of sympathy for John and his family, which is nice to see that they do seem to have support because he's an Indigenous to the area. He grew up in the area, went to school in the area, played sport in the area and is known, seems to be known as just a, a really, really nice uh, guy. Except Sean picks up on a point. This is to do with large families and the problem that the council has trying to house large families in that they don't have houses that have four and five and more bedrooms. And the point has been made that a lot of members of the travelling community, it seems to be within their tradition to have large families. Sean says, people should plan where they will be living before they go away having babies. We all have to manage our own situations. I'm sick of listening to this, says uh, Sean, who doesn't have sympathy for large families, then going to the council, trying to look for accommodation. Thank you for that, uh, Sean. Uh, Now, subject to property tax. This came up because Tom earlier on contacted us by text when we were talking about property tax earlier. He texted in to say that he has never paid property tax. Doesn't know why, but for some reason he has never received a bill for property tax. He owns his own house, so he's he's aware of property tax, but he's been sitting there waiting for a bill to come in and it's never arrived. And he's saying, what do I do? You know, he said, I've never, you know, and he was actually looking for advice from other people. He was saying, you know, should I just stay stum and and stay, say nothing at all? And, and what would people should suggest that I should do? Well, a couple of people are in with advice for Tom, including Mary to say, Patricia, property tax has to be paid. If the owner doesn't and if they try to sell the house, the house will then, they'll come back after you for the local property tax, which could have run by that stage into thousands of euro. Or if the owner dies and the local property tax hasn't been paid, then the family next of kin will have to pay it before that property can be handed over to the family. All of that, plus they'll charge interest. It is revenue at the end of the day. People are supposed to inform revenue if they own a house when the property tax was introduced. And that's the bit that I can't remember. I do remember for the second homes, remember the non, if it, if it wasn't your, pro, your private principal residence and you had a second house, you know, holiday home or whatever, you, you you certainly then had to inform. It was the council was collecting that, wasn't it? Maybe it was done under revenue. Maybe it was. It was kind of the precursor to the local property tax. But I can't remember with the property tax. I do know you're liable for property tax if you own a residential property. So I think Tom is accepting he absolutely does own it. But he's just waiting for revenue to contact him. I know it was a self-assessment, certainly, for as to how much you would you would have to pay. That was done through you self-assessed the charge and the market value of your residential property. But didn't you have to get a number from revenue? Didn't they contact you? I just that bit of it I, I'll have to do and I will when I go off air this afternoon. I'll try and do some research on it. But that's the bit I can't remember. Were we supposed to inform revenue 
ourselves if we were like Tom. You are one of the forgotten few and I don't know how many others have been forgotten about because we're not getting many others. I'll have to check with John Paul when I come off if he starts with anybody else but certainly by text. I can't see any text coming in of people saying yeah I'm with Tom on this one. Revenue haven't contacted me and I'm staying quiet. Donald, Donald's advice to Tom is contact Revenue and do it ASAP because if they catch up with Tom and they will catch up with him, they'll clean him out with interest and penalties. Remember, they make their own laws, says uh, Donald. And someone else says, as far as I'm aware, there is an obligation on the person to contact Revenue. Then you value your house and then you pay the tax. There will be a massive penalty will have accrued from the due date without a rebate who to contact for advice that this texter I simply do not know but a number of people saying that's what Tom needs to do he needs to go back to basics and needs to contact them and put his hand up and say look at me or else he can opt to sit there looking pretty and do nothing and pass it on to the next generation. I don't know what age Tom is, but when Tom is gone, it'll be whoever he leaves the house to or the next generation or somebody goes to sell the house that revenue will, alarm bills will start to raise and they'll realise, oh, look at Tom there in Mallow and we forgot about him with property uh, tax. Okay, some other issues coming in. Eileen says, hi, Patricia, care of the aged charity shop in Bantry would certainly and do accept religious items. We donate all our takings to local charities. We're in our 23rd year. Care of the aged charity shop in Bantry and we're still doing good. But we must thank the people who go out of their way to donate clothes, shoes, bric-a-brac etc. Love your show uh, from Eileen. Thank you for that uh, Eileen and continued good luck and may you continue to make funds for care of the aged in uh, Bantry. On plastics when I mentioned that lovely photograph taken by Cahal Noonan that makes the front page of the examiner today and it's a picture, it's an aerial photograph of students and their teachers from two local schools in East Cork and they're making the shape of Love Your Beach. I'd say they'd probably great fun doing that. They went out collecting rubbish for three hours this week and the amount of rubbish uh, they collected and I mentioned the two beaches. It was Ballycroonine and Ballybracken beaches in East Cork. Cork City Lister says, Hi Trish, you, men- you mentioned Ballycroonine uh, Strand it brought back memories of my childhood and my childhood summer holidays we spent time there as my uncle by marriage had a farm and his land used to stretch on to the beach said a Cork City listener and that sounds like wonderful idyllic days of childhood imagine that you're just going to your, your uncle's house and there's the beach his land stretching out right onto the beach. Lovely, lovely, warm, happy memories. Thank you for your uh, text. And that, of course, led to me talking about plastics and that people seeing that wonderful documentary, Drowning in Plastics, which was on the BBC. I don't know if you can get it on, because we don't have the BBC player, unfortunately, here in Ireland. So I don't know if you can, if we'll eventually we'll be able to pick it up Um the internet but a listener says I agree that the plastic dumping is frightening what I can't understand is if the majority of people recycle their plastics where does it all go wrong is it from the recycling centre in this country are the recycling companies just dumping the plastics after paid to collect them where does it all go wrong well in that 
documentary with Liz Bonham, she said only 15% of the plastic we use in the world gets re- recycled. So that's 15%. And I know a big problem that we have with recycling is the recycling bin gets contaminated if you don't wash out your plastics or if you put the wrong plastics in. I mean, for years, I've been so fastidious when it comes to Recycling, and there's a joke in my house when someone comes to visit or somebody's saying is staying, you're told to familiarise yourself with the bins because I really am a stickler for putting the right thing into the right bins, and I have four wheelie bins in total for general waste and I try and keep that one down to a minimum if I can I have the dry recyclables I have one of those composting bins and I also have a wheelie bin for glass so I'm quite good at, good at recycling but for years for example I was putting black you know pl- a plastic tray that you might get fruit or veg in and they come in a hard black plastic tray that can't be recycled and I was there was lots of pieces of plastic like soft plastic you go and say you buy loose bananas don't put them into the plastic bag that they're offering you because that loose plastic bag can't be recycled so there's a lot of the plastic can't can't be recycled but then I watched that programme the other night and said am I better off just sending it for landfill incineration which I've always been against are we better off just burning it get rid of it than to see it all go in to the seas and looking at the damage that it was doing to wildlife and the damage it's doing uh, to our oceans. It's left me totally baffled, totally and absolutely baffled. Someone else says, uh, Patricia, uh, if you go to the, I think every college and library should have a documentary called Thrash shown are available in every library for people. It was narrated by campaigner and actor Jeremy Irons. It's an extraordinary scary and eye-opening film which exposes the impact of waste and plastic on the sea of the environment and it's available online. Thrashed with Jeremy Irons. I've seen it. It's incredible. And uh, what Liz Bonin did with her documentary on the BBC the other night is on a similar vein. 1850 but we're producing all these brilliant documentaries but are we learning anything? That's what's got to be asked. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit Uh, corkcoco.ie. And a reminder of that mental health and wellbeing service that we spoke about this morning that launches in Drimley Community Hall at 2 o'clock today. All are welcome. The Irish Blood Transfusion Board, they've got a donor clinic, Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom. That's this afternoon between five and half past eight. Monthly Mass in honour of St. Pio, that's in St. Joseph's Church in Lismire. Uh, this evening, all are welcome. And Mallow Art Club, their first demonstration of the season will be on the this Thursday in the Mercy Centre at half past seven with the well-established London-born artist Jack Cornhouse Rock Chapel Parents Association have a fashion show this Friday. It's in the community centre at eight. And the Mallow fundraising event Stars in Your Eyes, that's going ahead Friday week, 12th of October, with proceeds this year going to the Cope Foundation and My Canine Companion. The event takes place in the Arches Bar in Mallow and tickets are available from the bar or from any of the contestants. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. A listener has beautiful religious books. The a keen listener is how she signs herself. Think of that. She said, I haven't read a lot of them. I bought them in Knock. Uh, just didn't get around to uh, reading them 
I'm off them to the family. Nobody in the family is interested uh, in it. And it's time I had a bit of a clean out. Uh, I would feel bad bidding them. Oh, I've never been books. It's one thing I feel quite passionately about. Never, ever been a book. There's always somebody that'll want to pick up that book and go, oh, what a great read and, and, and take it away. And this sister is wondering, uh, would, it, would the charity shop, I think it's the Dunmanway uh, charity shop, Taris Jock, Taris Jock, could definitely take it any there isn't um, I don't I'm I'm open to correction but I'm sure I'm right when I say there isn't a charity shop that won't accept books because they do a big trade in second hand books and if you're looking for a good book and you don't have a lot of money uh, well, we'll direct it to the library but if you want to own the book I'd be sending you off straight away to charity shops you can get some fantastic books uh, there for Eddie and the tractor pulling still people trying to come up with suggestions could you, could you put his name on the policy of the tractor he's using would that help uh, no that's when he be, that's when that's where the problem arose he tried to get on the insurance and they wouldn't put him on because he didn't uh, own it uh, Jim says I'm not an insurance expert in any way but would the problem be the way that he's using a public highway uh, would it be okay if he did the run on, on private land or somewhere like that would you heard Eddie say he'd be willing to do it out say in the race course but it isn't it, the problem is we can't get him onto the insurance. That's where, where he's coming unstuck. He needs to get his name put onto the insurance. The only way the name can seemingly go onto the insurance is if he owns a tractor and he doesn't. And that's where the, the problem is coming from. Eileen says, Patricia, could you give out the date and time that uh, Una O'Hagan and her husband Colm Keane will be signing her book in Cork? She mentioned it yesterday. She did. Uh, they mentioned they're going to be in Waterstones in Cork. And it's this coming Saturday, the 6th of October, between half two and and half four. You can go along. That's Waterstones on Patrick Street in Cork City. Half two to half four. And if you're going along to Colum and Una to get the, the little flower book and you want to buy a copy and get it signed, tell them you heard them on the radio. I know they always get a, a, a buzz out of that. And it's, it's always nice for them to know that people were listening to them uh, as well. So say hi for us uh, if you are going along there. Um, but it's this Saturday between half two and half uh, four. Now, John Paul is taking a lot of calls, and my apologies, I haven't got to a fraction of them. Let me just look at some of the calls uh, coming in to John Paul this morning on the well-being mental health that we spoke about in this new initiative that's starting in West Cork, Fishlick, getting underway in Drimalig Community Centre at two o'clock today. A caller didn't want to give their name, which is fine, says, I've been out of work since early this year and it's because of bullying in the workplace. The lady you were speaking to about well-being, was I correct in hearing her say that my employer, my employees are to look after their staff well-being? Is is that correct? Well, I don't, I don't know if she quite said that, but certainly, I mean, most, I don't know of any business that doesn't have a bullying policy. I don't know if you've reported uh, the bullying or, or not. I, I'm hoping you have. I'm hoping that you haven't just gone out sick from work. I'm not saying that the reason, I certainly would be encouraging you to talk to your employer and uh, see what can be put in place to stop bullying because it does have that effect and it can force people to to be out sick from work. If we've heard from people over the years, it's forced them to give up jobs. They've changed jobs. To me, it's the bully should be out. It should be the person who was uh, bullied. Uh, congratulations to our winners of our tickets for The Everyman, The Nightingale and the Rose, Dinner for Two at Green's Restaurant. And our winners today are Paula O'Mahony from Bandon and Joanne Murphy from Turner's Cross. Congratulations. Pauline O'Mahony, Bandon and Joanne Murphy from uh, Turner's uh, Cross. 
Uh, they were the winners today and it was Hilary Rose who we were talking about. Not a chance in hell are you getting that tattooed across your back? <laughs> Hilary Rose from the Young Offenders. They're filming, by the way, at the moment. There's a Christmas special underway. If you're in and around the city, you may see some of the filming uh, going on. I'm already looking forward to seeing that when it comes out at Christmas. And the dumping of rubbish and the burning of plastics and all of that. Marion Blarney says some people actually do burn plastics. Well, we had somebody this morning who admitted it, that that's how they get rid of their rubbish is by burning. Uh, and so Mary says, Marion Blarney feels that's a disgrace um, as everyone needs to have a bin collection lots of people are just saving money but it's not fair in your neighbours if you're burning plastic plastic because there can be toxic fumes can come off of you burning in your back garden or in your fireplace and it is other neighbours who will can pick up on some of the toxic fumes coming from your plastics been burnt and Patricia who's living near Mallow said did anybody ever think of getting onto the Bishop or the Vatican about the housing crisis that we have and perhaps using the priests houses or the old convents to see if they could be used these many of these houses particularly priest houses were huge could they not be turned into into apartments for example could they not be used to house large families that we've been talking about today and could they not hand them over to the parish at a lower uh, rate? Has anybody ever approached the bishop about properties? Well, certainly convents have been looked at and empty convents have been looked at as possibilities. Could they be used uh, for uh, housing? And just one final text from Margaret. This is a a carryover from yesterday when we were talking about underage GAA matches that actually started on Monday when somebody was quite taken aback at how aggressive a particular parent was at an under 12s match and how this woman was roaring from the sideline and uh, calling somebody a cheeky pup I think was the phrase that was used and this woman couldn't just get over the level of venom that was coming from an adult to a child that was under 12 and then somebody else had a similar story to tell us yesterday when Margaret said Patricia I was listening to the lady yesterday who was complaining about the parent calling her son a cheeky pup Uh, well that person couldn't have been to many matches I've been going to matches now with about 60 years first of all taking my own uh, children and at that time I took half the team that was when you were able to fill up your car and it didn't matter how many children were in the car once you got them to the match I then moved on to the next generation and then I took my grandchildren and would you believe I'm now taking my six-year-old great-grandchild to training the changes I have seen down through the years are appalling the parents now today's parents will abuse the ref the selectors these are the people who give up their time freely to help out that local GAA club do these parents think that their children are going playing drafts or tiglywinks I have seen parents at underage level having to be restrained so they won't go on to assault another parent or the ref or a member of the coaching team very soon says Margaret mark my words we won't have these wonderful volunteers as they simply won't want the responsibility. How sad is that? Isn't that incredible? And what I love about Margaret's text is she's coming at it from the viewpoint of how times have changed. She watched it herself with her own children all those years ago and people too glued along to the match and, you know, nothing much really. People respected the ref, I suppose. People respected the coaches, uh, certainly. But how it's come on to today 
And, and Margaret is right. The refs and the selectors and the coaches, they do it out of love of the sport. And in many cases, it's people perhaps born and bred in an area, love of their jersey, you know, their own team's uh, jersey they made themselves of, of a child as a child have played as an adult they might have played and now they're into the stage where they're ready to coach and they do it and they give up their time willingly and they don't ever get paid for it and to think they're being abused by parents on the sideline but what really ca- I'm, I'm, I must take time out and go to some of these matches and just walk around as an observer and just uh, listen to what people are saying I'm just taken aback at people saying like underage we're talking about under 12 matches and somebody somebody yesterday was given out about what happens at an under was witness something that happened at an under girl an under 10 girls match and parents losing the rag I, I mean is it passion can somebody defend why the parents do it I, I have no understanding of it at all uh, 1850 going to take a break and we are back having your gardening questions answered uh, by Peter Dowdell uh, get your questions in please 1850 if you want to call in with a question to John Paul or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Patricia Messenger on C103. Nominated for Speech Broadcaster of the Year at the 2018 IMRO Radio Awards. And joining us, the Irish gardener, uh, Peter Dowdell, uh, to answer all your gardening questions. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Did you forget my name, Trish? Uh, I nearly did for a second because I'm uh, reading something <laughs> on the screen at the same time. Uh, you're welcome. Um, it was Thank Vera, because Vera's just sent on another text saying, sorry, I forgot to give you my name. It's Vera. Vera sent on a picture of a plant. Uh, she wants to know what is it? Is it outdoor? Is it indoor? And how big does it get? And she sent on a WhatsApp photograph, which we then bounced on to you. You've taken a look at it. It looks like a bunch of twigs to me at the moment. What is this plant? <laughs> It's a plant. It's a very popular plant at this time of the year, actually, Trish. It's one called Calocephalus brownii. It's a bit of a mouthful of a name. Uh, it, it doesn't really have a common name. It, it, it is referred to in some parts as the silver cushion plant or the silver bush um, because of it. It's it got. It may not see it in the photograph, but it's got very obvious um, silver foliage or silver stems. It's, yeah, the it, stem. Because I was looking at it first, and I thought it was sprayed. It would be lovely for Christmas for dried arrangements at Christmas. You're spot on, and it's used an awful lot in winter hanging baskets and uh. winter window boxes. And it's funny that it, it, it was that plant because I'm actually talking about it later on today with um, with Dahi on RT on the Today Show because we're looking at plants that will, um, among other things, we're looking at plants that will will tolerate drought conditions if we get the same next year. And that's one of them. This this Calocephalus, which you sent the picture of, is a plant that's very good for two things. Number one, as you say, for winter colour and winter interest, lovely silvery look and it contrasts very well with white cyclamen or red cyclamen and even ornamental grasses it looks lovely uh, but also uh, it is very very good for um, for resisting drought it's native to Australia so there's a bit of a hint there uh, that it will take the hot dry conditions so it's a plant worth looking at the only thing I would say is again it's native to Australia so there's your hint but it doesn't really tolerate uh, extremely cold temperatures so if we got a snow like last March it probably wouldn't have come through that it, it's grown very much I suppose uh, just for the winter bedding for winter baskets and things like that but there's no reason to say you couldn't have it in the ground and use it all year round and protect it from the frost uh, and in which case it, it's never going to get big to answer the other part of our question it's only if you saw one two feet high a foot and a half high that would be the biggest you'd see and maybe about a foot foot and a half wide as well but that would be the very biggest you'd see and very easy to keep it smaller 
if you if you wanted to. Okay, let's move to a question about a sweet pea. I grew sweet pea to climb in front of a dead area of a hedge, says a texture. It grew very well, but there was very few flowers. Are they annual or per annual? I planted them this year. There are two different types. Well, there are many, many different types of sweet pea, but you could break it down into two groups. You have, which, which may not leave her any, or him any, any clearer. Uh, you have annual sweet peas and perennial sweet peas. Uh, <laughs> The chances are the ones that were planted, if they were grown this year from seed, are annuals. Uh, perennials you'd buy in a, in a pot in a garden centre, costing about, I don't know, eight or nine euros per plant, um, whereas the annuals would be in, in six packs or ten packs for, for three or four euros. The annuals are the ones that we would tend to grow because that they, they have a much better flower range and a much better scent than the, the perennial ones. So, and the annual ones thus will, will die off at the end of this year. But they're very easy to, well, they're very easy to harvest the seed because you just take the old pods from the flowers and, and keep those and grow them as seeds for next year. However, if if they didn't flower very well, then you're not going to have too many seeds either. Uh, I, a few reasons that they may not have flowered very well. Number one is definitely the drought. Plants would have been under stress this year, so they, they, they didn't perform as well as they may have. Uh, and the other thing is that, interestingly, with sweet pea, the more you pick the flowers, the better they're going to do. So next time, if you do them next year, and do, because there's nothing like a display of sweet pea. I absolutely adore them. They're lovely. The garden. Yeah. And there's a cut flower in a little vase on the kitchen table. They're, they're pretty. Yeah, they're, they're they, they really are pretty. So, so cut away next year. Grow them again next year. Do do it next year. Don't be disheartened. And, and cut away and feed them with something like the Goulding's tomato food. If we Even if we don't get a long heart summer, uh, feed them. To, the more potassium they have in their root system, the better they'll do. John uh, says, uh, question for Peter, If uh, can I reuse the soil and compost from flower baskets and planters that I had this summer? Uh, c- can I use it again next year or do I just dump it? No, well, I wouldn't dump it. You can reuse it, but not in the, not perhaps in the way that he's thinking. In other words, the, the, the compost in the, the planters and baskets is what's called spent in that it's got no nutrient value left. All the nutrients would have been used by the summer bedding this year. But it's still very a very good, you don't dump it, it's a very good addition to your garden soil in terms of texture and structure. It's, it's peat, but most of them are peat anyway. So they're very good in terms of, of improving the structure of your soil without any nutrient value. So you wouldn't use them in your pots or baskets again next year, but you'd definitely put it into the compost bin or spread it on the on the beds. Just to make sure, if you're doing that, that there are no nasties in, in the compost, like vine weevil grubs or anything mm. like that. So, But but do use it. Don't dump it, but you okay. will need fresh fresh compost for the pot. How can I ripen tomatoes, please? Should I leave them on the plant? I've grown them in a large pot in a conservatory. Well, if they're in a conservatory, I was just going to ask if they're indoor or outdoor. If they're outdoor, I probably would be looking at getting them in soon. Uh, if they're in a conservatory, I'd leave them on the vine, leave them ripen on the vine. Uh, if you want to get a few ripened, the, the old trick fish, we've mentioned it many times, into into a, a fruit bowl or a paper bag with a banana. Yeah. And the, the magic of nature will take over and they'll ripen in a few days. Yeah. And it does work. Mairead in yeah. Grena has a question for you. She has a poncetia from last Christmas. It has stopped regrowing. Is there anything I can do to keep it alive? This is a question I'd nearly hand over to you, uh, Trish, because when I hear Ponsettias, yeah, I go, yeah. oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Some people are great at keeping them going, others are not. I'm, and I'm one of the ones that are not, I'm afraid. So if, if when she says, I'm just trying to figure out the question, when she says it stopped growing. It stopped regrowing, is there anything I do to keep it alive? It's obviously dying in front of her, I'm assuming, because somebody else yes. says the Ponsettia is two years old. Uh, Kathleen and Bantry wants to know, what can I do to turn it red? They don't go red at Christmas time. That's the problem. They don't go red at Christmas time naturally. No, you have to you have to trick them into thinking the winter is over and the spring is coming. So periods of darkness. Uh, so if they want to try a period of darkness, uh, do that now. 
but be very careful. Do it now for the next few weeks, and then you might get some red colour. Thinking, sorry, into a, into an area of darkness now for the next few weeks uh, with a few hours of sunlight each day, but not as much as what they're getting. And then after about six weeks, move it out, which means close enough to time for Christmas. Uh, and then hopefully they'll come again. But it's it's done professionally and it's done in very you know exacting conditions in 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 nurseries. Yeah, hard so hard to do it at home. But it, but once they die off, they die off. If, if once they die, they die. Yeah. And, and with the, the first question, I've very little advice I can give. Once they started to die, that's it. They will die. Now maybe she just means that there's no red coming. What do I do to keep it alive? In which, if that is the case, if it's just the fact that there's no red, uh, do nothing. If it's still alive after eight, nine, or ten months, you've, you've done nothing well. wrong. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Actually, my Christmas cactus at home. I just noticed that this morning is starting to have the little. The flowers are about to come out, which is, uh, and I love Christmas cactus. I think it's great. Hi, I have a holly bush, uh, says uh, Jim, for about seven years. Part of it now looks dead since the summer. Hasn't happened before. Can I do anything to retrieve it? Without seeing it, it's a difficult one to answer whether it is as a result of the drought or not. If it's in a container or a large pot, I would say it's very definitely part of the drought. If it's in the open ground, it's less likely if it's seven or eight years of age to be drought-related. It, it's very possible. Uh, hollies are suffering, Trish, as we know. You planted one there two weeks ago. Yep. And they are suffering around the country from holly leaf blight, which is a fungal infection. So without seeing it, it's impossible to say what's causing it. But if it's in the ground and if it looks to be any fungal, like if it's dropping its leaves and if only half of it is going, it does sound a bit like that. Uh, I would certainly prune off the dead growth, prune off any dead growth, which I know will interfere with the shape of the bush, but there's nothing else you can do. Uh, make sure there's no dead leaves or dead twigs around the base of the plant because they'll only spread it uh, and make up a solution of copper sulfate mixed with water, drench the plant and the soil with it, and then hope for the best. I would say if you do all that, it should come back for you next spring, but you will have to do it quite quickly. Okay, a couple of quick ones for you. Is it too late to cut Leylandi Hedge, says a regular listener? Uh, I would say it's not. I'd say you could do Leylandi, you could certainly do it for the next few weeks. Uh, if you if you just wanted to give them a trim, maybe fine, and leave the hard cut off till February. But e- even with Leylands, I'd say even giving them a hard cut at this time of year, you'd still be okay. Will the cyclamen last for over the winter in window boxes, says Michael in Bantry? Yes is the short answer, but I'm going, to, I'm going to qualify that by saying they are prone to getting a damping off rot at the base of the plant. So provided two things. Number one, make absolutely certain that the plants you're buying are healthy. Have a good root into the, the base of the plant. Make sure there's no signs of, of leaf spot or fungal looking growth at the base of the plant in the garden centre. If there is, leave it behind you. You won't fix it. If they're clean, uh, plant them slightly proud of the soil surface or the compost surface in your planter over winter so it's not getting waterlogged. And then, yes, they should come on throughout the winter. Catherine and Colin moved to Peony Rose a couple of weeks ago and she said it's looking rather sad. doesn't seem to be doing too good. Anything I can do to save it? Well, two things. I'm afraid, number one, I'm sorry to be the bearer of this news, they don't actually like being moved. However, I have moved them in the past successfully. Now, it is going to look sad, but you did move it too early, the temperatures were too high, but on saying all that, we're coming into the right time of the year for it to die back, so it's not going to look well now anyway, because even if you hadn't moved it, it's going to start dying back. You have moved it, it's suffering a bit of shock. All you can do really at this stage is is cross your fingers and pray to whatever God you believe in that it will come, you come back next spring. I suspect if you've got a good enough root system with it, you've put it into good soil, uh, dare I, I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying it on the 3rd of October, but drench it with water keep it well watered since it's been moved uh, and I would say it should come back next year we'll hope for the best anyway yeah, on that one yeah, I wouldn't lose heart the fact that it's dying back now um, and a quick one I have a Chilean fire bush in a large pot for a few months while it's not dying it's not making progress either anything I can do to help it out 
stunning, the embattrium, the Chilean flame tree or fire bush. It, 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 if it's been in a pot for a long time, I'd say it needs to either go into a bigger pot of the open ground. My suggestion would be the open ground. It likes an acid soil. This might be the case as well in the pot that it's growing in. If it's not an acid soil, it, w- it would be just that. It wouldn't be thriving, but it wouldn't be dying. So make sure you've got the right soil, a good ericaceous compost. Uh, but I would suggest ideally planting it into the ground. Uh, semi-shade, not, not, certainly not full shade, will tolerate full sun, but ideally semi-shade with getting a good amount of sunlight at some points during the day. And again, keep it well watered. OK, just spotted the time. We're well over. I'll leave it there, Peter. Thank you for that. Thanks, uh, have a lovely week. We'll chat again next week. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for uh, producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. On to the line, Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.